Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> Y'all know what that is. It's time again for the Keith Battle Podcast. Yo, I'm your host, Keith Battle, and it's a pleasure to be able to share with you all this week some more helpful content. And I'm honored to be a part of your life journey. And today we're going to be looking at organizational leadership through the lens of one of the most successful pastors in America. Dr. Michael Henderson is the founding and senior pastor of New Beginnings Community Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Pastor Henderson and his wife, Dr. Tawana Henderson, started New Beginnings in 1999 with just 12 members. And the church now has over 7,000 members across three locations near the Charlotte area. He also serves as a mentor to many church leaders, as well as the vice president of National Ministries for a huge church planning organization called Converge Worldwide. He's a father, he's a counselor, he's a coach, he's an author, he's a teacher, a preacher, a leader, a brother, and a friend. Pastor Henderson, thanks so much for being with us on today's podcast. Pastor Keith Battle, it, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you for taking time to invest in so many leaders across our nation, man. God, God bless you. May he continue to bless your efforts. My man, my man. Thank you so much, man. I've been looking forward to this, being able to pick your brain on leadership. And um, let's start with this. Let's start. Let's start with the concept of mega church, right? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously you're a mega church pastor, and right. there are certain stigmas, you know, around mega churches, whether justified or unfair, mm-hmm. that we hear about in today's culture. Can you talk about some of the criticisms that you've heard over the years regarding mega churches in general, and how you specifically have worked to change those narratives at New Beginning? Well, that's that's man. As a, as a as a fellow mega church pastor, along with yourself, you you hear it all. You hear from the gamut of it's there. It's not authentic. The gospel's mm-hmm. not being preached. Mm-hmm. It's just a bunch of people over there with shallow Christians. Um, they're not teaching the truth because they were teaching the truth. They would be gathering that many people to the pastors uh, unaccessible to people to all they're all they're trying to do is get your money they don't care about you to uh mega churches aren't biblical i mean you hear it all man as, as a mega church pastor and you just have to learn that that comes with the territory because i've discovered something just like you i'm sure that if you're not doing anything people don't have anything to criticize if you're doing anything of note you're op- you're 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 going to be open to criticism, and I just learned that that, that comes with the territory. Wow, wow, so that's that's good. You gotta you gotta accept what comes with prosperity, growth, right, right, and all of that. Right, Thank you for that. Yeah, I've heard all of those things as well. <laughs> so, by the way, again, we're with Pastor Michael Henderson, Vice President of National Ministries for Converge Worldwide, and the Senior Founding Pastor of New Beginnings Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. So pastor, I've known you for over 20 years. And one thing that I know about you is that you are big on systems. Oh, 
Yes. I mean, when I think, you know, you think Michael Henderson in my circle, you think systems right away. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about the importance of systems in general and maybe an example or two of how you've used systems mm-hmm. to effectively run the organization that you lead? For, first of all, everything we do is a system. You, When you think about the way our bodies are designed, they're de- designed systematically. God is a God of systems. You have the respiratory system, the skeletal system. All We have seven or eight major systems within our body. Everything in life is systematized, whether we're in touch with it or not. And the reality of it is either you can have good systems or bad systems. Let me give you an example. When something goes wrong in your physical body, You go to the doctor, the doctor immediately begins to go down a checklist of your systems. They check your heart rate, they check your respiratory, they check all of these things. They're eliminating the 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 what could be wrong with your systems. They've come to the understanding that if there's something systemically wrong, if we can correct that, then you can go on and live a healthy life. It's the same thing in church and in leadership. If it or any organization you're trying to build, if you don't have healthy systems, you're going to have a health unhealthy organization. And pretty soon, because you don't have healthy systems, it's going to get cancer, if you will, and implode. And the things that you really are trying to do, you won't be able to accomplish those things because you don't have healthy systems. So I, I tell pastors and leaders this all the time. If you want anything that's going to be of note, you got to take time to develop systems. Uh, Christian Swartz, who is known internationally, has a has a systematic approach called natural church development. Here's what he says. He says this, that if you have healthy systems, your church, your organization will grow automatically. He calls it the uh, the the grow grow automatically principle, the biotic principle, which means you don't have to make it grow. If it's healthy, it will grow automatically. And the thing that makes a organization healthy is to have healthy systems in place. Wow. Can you give an example? Okay. Uh, so systems or one or two of your systems that you use. Okay. So for instance, we have a, we have a tremendous follow-up system in our church that 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 presuppose that follows a person from the time they come to the church all the way until the time they get engaged. So, so for instance, uh, a person who would come on a Sunday, hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, respond. That person is followed up on. We have we have we have a systematic approach to make sure that they are being channeled through a process where they can eventually be connected to our church in a healthy way. And so anyone who comes to visit us or responds uh, to the gospel, uh, they're followed up systematically and we track them either way, all the way up until either we engage them or we make sure that they're engaged somewhere. Wow. And you put that in place. Like what made you, did you did you do that because you saw people slip out of touch or slip out of the the, the grasp of the ministry? What what made you develop something that comprehensive? Uh, it's it's called the 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 back door the back door. Um, mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes, 
Uh, most pastors, and you know this, uh, Pastor Battle, most pastors want their church to grow. And and I don't believe, I haven't run into a pastor who honestly said, I don't want to grow. Most pastors, what, I, what I've discovered, are seeing some people come through the front door. They get excited. I was one of those. But the back door is larger than the front door. What do you mean? That people who are coming and may even be responding will come for a week or two and then you don't see them. I don't know of a pastor who had had that experience. And to me, that's going to happen. But you can you can critically plan for to uh, that so that it is limited so that the people that you see coming through your front door, you're hanging on to them. You, they're sticking uh, to your church uh, and and they're not just just coming through a, a funnel, the front door and out of the back door, you never see them again. I believe this very strongly that Jesus will only trust us with trust us with to the degree that we have shown good stewardship with the people that he's already sending to us. And so I think I think we're saying to God, particularly in church, I, I, you can you can trust me because I'm going to make sure that I'm going to try to ensure that every person that comes to that door gets the intentionality that they deserve so that they can be connected to the body so that they ultimately can work in their purpose and, and see other people have the same kind of experience. That's so that's so powerful. And if you're listening and you're an organizational leader, you lead a church, you lead a, a, an organization where you want to grow your membership base. What what what? Dr. Henderson is saying is, is that if you're getting people through the door, through your marketing or through your, through the buzz about what you're doing, systemically, you can hold on to more people. Yes. If you have intentional ways of making sure they're, they're connected because people will come and not necessarily automatically be connected, even if they feel or enjoy the experience. They can get connected emotionally, but if they don't get right. connected systemically, they can still disappear. And so they have data collection, they have follow up, they have information that they're gathering from people right. to make sure that they're taking responsibility for everybody that walks through the door. And I think people look at a church like yours in Charlotte and they'll say, Oh, he's just blessed. He just had the hand of God or the favor. Yeah. Look at all the work you put into tracking every person, not in a suspicious way where you're stalking. Right. Right. You're actually saying you matter. You're a person who matters. God sent you here. You matter to him and you matter to us. And we want to make sure you have a good experience and that that your spiritual journey doesn't stop with your visit. That is a phenomenal concept that was that's that's priceless and i hope that god continues to help you to teach that to all of us who move well, well let let me just say this that the the running joke at our our, our connect institute we used to call it in our new members institute and by the way people like yourself who uh quest challenged me because we were because we, because my my goal was to have people come and check us out we do an orientation we can talk about that but we also do an institute we used to call it our new members institute but it was limited because people felt like they could only be members to come to us so we changed it to our connect institute 
the the running joke at our Connects Institute, and I and I break the ice by saying, I know we called you a thousand times. I know we reached out to you a hundred thousand times, but it's because we care about you. Yeah, it's because we love you. It's because we know that God has a purpose for you, and we just we want we rather you be irritated and a little bit annoyed with how how assertive we've been coming after you because you matter that much to God. And almost to the person, they 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 come to appreciate that. Awesome, awesome. And we're going to give you information at the end of this podcast about how you can connect with Pastor Henderson and New Beginnings uh, to see how you can be a part of that Connect Institute. Um, Pastor Henderson, I like to focus our next few moments around two types of what I would call ecclesiastical leaders specifically, right? So one being the individual that feels a calling or desire to pastor or start a church. And then the other being someone that's already in that role. So, Mm -hmm. so let's start with the person that desires to actually start a church. Maybe right right now they're on somebody's staff. Maybe they're serving under someone else's auspices or leadership, but they really feel like they have not only this burden to start a church, but they've got some ideas, you know, because every next guy got an idea that he thinks will, you know, change the game. So that's not to slight anybody. But how would you advise that person regarding the steps they should be taking to move towards their dream if they feel like, hey, I want to start a church? Okay, so let me go back then. That's an excellent question, Pastor. Let me go back. I think in the early days of my church planting career, I, I like others made the huge mistake of thinking because God put this thing on my heart. All I had to do is just go find a building, start preaching and people would come. (laughs) That is the most naive approach to, uh, to planting successful churches, uh, out there. And matter of fact, people who plant churches that way generally don't last three years. It wasn't until I started studying church planting as a science and an art. Can I say science and an art that there's a science to planting a church? And again, it has to do with systems. I would not recommend anyone plant a church today that weren't was not assessed through an assessment center, which is a four day boot camp. That really helps you discern if you have that gift of a uh, that apostolic gift of planting churches and your leadership style, your family dynamic, it, it, it the 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 uh, the 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 whole gamut of what you would need, the tools we call them building blocks that you would need in order to be a successful church planter or church starter. So there are things that are out there, different organizations have them, but I would not recommend planting a church unless you've gone through some kind of assessment process so that you could even begin to understand the science that's involved in this so that it's it's not just the Holy Spirit led me to do this, but that you would leave that time having not only an unction from the Holy Spirit, but a systemized systematized plan where you can go out and begin to to implement things so that you will help to ensure your success. No, I love that. I love that that assessment. And and you know, because somebody like you said will say, well, it's the spirit of God or God right. called me 
and they get real deep, good goosebumps and everything. <laughs> In the scriptures, Paul, the apostle Paul told Timothy, make your calling and election sure. Oh, that's so powerful. Yeah. And then, you know, there still is a, you're still entering a fraternity. Right. In clergy. And there is an ecclesiastical order, if you will, even if it's, even if it's segregated by denominations, but somebody yeah. is supposed to lay hands on you right firm this call other than right. you and your right. spouse right <laughs> you know right. and the people who heard you preach a sermon over their house one day so um so so what an assessment does is is from a neutral organization of of, of pretty much experts who right and the science and the the the, the, the tools and abilities necessary for right. some of the challenges regarding starting something right um can really give those leaders around you confidence to agree with God. If you say God did it, then, then that should show up. And so I thank you for that. So mm -hmm. now let's talk about the person listening that's already a pastor. Mm -hmm. But like every leader, you already said it. They really, really want their churches and ministries to grow. Mm -hmm. But for them, change has been rare. And, and in, in those cases where you're not getting any change, it's easy to become frustrated and even discouraged. And, and I always say, I'd rather be frustrated than discouraged because right. frustrated means I'm just mad. I'm just, I'm mad because I haven't found that thing yet. But when we figure it out, we're going to, we're going to take off. Right. Discouraged means the absence of courage, which is the very thing I need to keep going. So right. a place of discouragement, you know, quitting is, is, is always right next door to that. What advice do you have for that pastor who's already pastoring? Mm -hmm. if she's either frustrated or discouraged because of a lack of results that they long to see. So beyond the systems, right? So we know systemically, you have systemically created an organization that's built for growth. Right. Are there any like obvious other things that you say, hey, like, 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 hey, try here. Before we get into the into the weeds, pastor battle, mm -hmm. I would recommend that pastors, particularly stuck pastors, get a coach. Yeah, we, we understand the concept of coaching in every other every other venue except the church. Mm. You think about professional athletes; mm -hmm. they have coaches. These are the these are the top athletes in the world, mm. but they all have coaches. Mm -hmm. Coaches have coaches. Yes. You, you, you're talking about people that are doing things at a level that they can do it better than anybody else, but they still need coaching. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just a matter of having a coach that will help see things that you don't see and really submitting yourself, whether you want to call him a coach, a mentor, a pastor, whatever you want to call him or her. It's important that you have another set of eyes on your ministry, uh, uh, again, in addition to all the systematic stuff, you need to have another set of eyes who can help evaluate what you're doing and give you some honest, authentic feedback. Awesome. Awesome. And, and, and are there, so, so the benefit of a coach is, is, is the specificity of the guidance. Right. right? So right. we're talking now, there may be thousands of people here at this podcast but if one pastor had a coach who was right. and successful, you can get very, very specific direction for your particular right. situation. But if you had to talk to a room full of or a podcast room full of young pastors or older pastors 
who are struggling with sludging through, not growing, are there some things that they can try out to say, hey, may, maybe look at this and maybe look at that? Um, what, what, is there anything that comes to your mind to say? Um, well, I, I, I think we all operate at the level of our ignorance, Pastor. And so I, I think the best thing they can start doing, I'm speaking generally, is to educate themselves on what causes churches to grow. Mm-hmm. I was I would start and I, there I got a lot of resources in, in my head, so I don't want to just throw things out there. But I would start with people like Christian Swartz, Natural Church Development. It will at least get that pastor to start looking at maybe clogs in their systems of growth. That's a great tool that anybody could look and self-evaluate. That, but I would start building my repertoire of, for instance, it depends on where the church is. If the church is below, uh, below 100, then they have information out there all over the place where how to break the 100 barrier, how to break the 250 barrier, how to take, break the, the 500 barrier. There's material out there that anybody can purchase or invest in, read, and interpret for themselves and know and at least have some kind of idea, okay, I can do, I can start working on this. So to me, I would start with self-education because if you're not aware of what your uh, alternatives is, you're just going to continue to, or are, you're going to continue to operate at the level of your ignorance and you'll just continue to get the same thing. You know that that historic definition of insanity, continuing to do the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. I would say this, if you're not experiencing the, um, uh, what you want to experience, then start doing something different. And I would say the first thing to start doing is educating yourself on what causes churches to grow. Awesome. Awesome. Family, we have with us today on the Keith Battle podcast, Dr. Michael Henderson. He's the senior and founding pastor of the 7,000 member New Beginnings Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Pastor Henderson, let's take a shift and talk about multi-site churches. Uh-huh. We have three campuses. Yeah. For those who are listening and they're contemplating adding another location, mm-hmm. what are some things to look for and prepare for if you're thinking about adding not just another service, but an, an additional location? Oh, man. Again, I hate to be the dead horse, but systems are so important. So mm-hmm. you're trying to create literally a church, a, a, we call them satellite campuses, but essentially it's a church in a different location. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so everything that you would need to start what we would call your main location, you're going to need in that in that satellite or extension location. So it, it, there's a lot of different ways to do it, mm-hmm. but you but there are some things that you definitely going to need. So every if you're gonna if you're gonna start a different location. You're going to need uh, you're going to need people who are committed to various service areas, children's church, uh, um, offerings, worship, uh, 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 parking, all of the things that you would have at your main campus. You've got to look at setting those things up at your extended campus or your satellite campus. Now, there's a there's a lot of ways, Pastor Battle, and I think you have done this well, but there are a lot of ways you can do it 
uh, but 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 there's some basic things that you're going to need regardless of how you choose to do it. When I when I say that, if you choose to be live and go there on and, and preach, if you choose to have a what we do as a simulcast. Uh, if you choose to do a video venue and there's studies on all of those various areas and if they work or not, you got to find out your context and work it from there. But there are some basic things that every satellite campus would have to have. The most important thing I think, though, you would have to have is a trusted campus pastor or minister. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that, it, it's not going to work out. Wow. So, so let's talk about one of the models you described. So you talk about, you're talking about live streaming. You talked about in-person. Can you touch on just a video venue really quickly? Because I know in the African-American church context, there's a lot of skepticism and even maybe some pessimism in some cases about whether or not that will work in our context. Um, any thoughts you may have on that issue or maybe how you handle it in your context, but any thoughts on video venue for African-American churches? Okay, first of all, I think that ha that that has been our culture. I, I'm not pushing back on that, but I think it's been our culture in the past. For baby boomers and higher, that's an issue. Uh, and, 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 and you get, you get that if you're trying to do any kind of multimedia venue video, or we do a simulcast with live stream. Uh, but, but let me just share this with you, this millennial and Gen Z, that's not an issue for them. They're dealing, they, this is, this is a generation that grew up with screens they don't struggle with screens. They they don't have they don't have the issue that many that are older now have. And I think we continue to give ourselves this scenario of what what has been. Uh, I can name you four or five churches across the nation that are doing video venues very well. The Word Church. I know your church, my church. I know uh, uh, Lance Watson in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, th these are persons who have who have master the, the the multimedia portion in other words the pastor's not necessarily at every uh location live and it's working yeah. people are coming up to watch a screen if it's done well our people will do do it as well awesome awesome quick segue here passed out i mentioned in my introduction of you that you're an author you wrote a book called a good man is hard to find adam where are you mm -hmm. tell us first of all where can people get that book Mm. And what formats they can get it in. Um, and then what's the overall message of the book? Thank you. First of all, you can get the book on Amazon. You can get it uh, through our ministry, New Beginnings Church, uh, NBCCMinistries.org. Uh, you can get it through my personal office, uh, uh, Minister Tammy Ward, uh, uh, 704-405-1224. And, and, and you can post that. But here, here, is, here is the message of the book. The message of the book is that when God created Adam in his image, God declared, not only was Adam good, the Bible says God declared that Adam and Eve were very good. I mean, the, 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 mankind and all of the creations, uh, the created order, man was the highest creation and God was bragging when he made man. He says to all the other created orders, the animal kingdom, plant kingdom, uh, 
all of that, God said it was good. When he created man, he said he was very good. Mm. Now, so when God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden, here's what happened. He placed him in, he placed him in the garden. The Bible says he, he, he breathed into his nostril the breath of life. He became a living soul. Then he put Adam to sleep and took out of his rib. And he says he fashioned that the woman that came out of the man. Now, here is what happens. Of course, we know that uh, Satan came, deceived Eve. Adam partook of the fruit. We don't know what fruit, but he partook of the fruit. And here's here's immediately what happens. They begin to hide themselves and even attempting to hide from God. And here's what the Bible says. In the cool of the day, here comes God looking for that good man that he's already declared that he's good. But because of his sin, he went into not just guilt, but shame and started trying to hide himself. And so when God is calling out, Adam, where are you? Uh, he is not talking about Adam, where are you geographically? No, Adam, where are you as it relates to what what I declared over your life and the responsibilities that I've given to you. So my titling that a good man is hard to find because Adam at the point of hiding, he didn't understand God had declared him to be a, not a good man. And he's now hiding from God, the one who declared him good instead of stepping up to the plate, acknowledging what he had done. He, he eventually began to blame the, the woman that God gave him and he, he shirked his biblical responsibility. And there, and in that whole book, I spend time talking about what, um, what, uh, what a man's responsibility is to be a man and how dare we hide from our God given responsibility. Wow. Well, that was a great summary of the book. One more time that, that, that web address is MBBC. What is NBC, NBCC Ministries.org. NBCC. NBCC Ministries.org or Amazon or uh, Minister Tammy Ward at 704-405-1424. Hey, uh, that's a great book. Get that book. Now, let's go back to back, back to leadership. In the in again in the church setting, one of the powerful things about your church is the fact that your wife, Dr. Twana, serves right alongside you in the ministry. Yes. So my question is, how did that evolve and come about? And then how do you guys manage the relationship you have as partners in ministry and also partners in marriage? Okay, so, so let me let me just say this because your last your 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 last most recent book on marriage addressed a lot of it. Man, I I our people enjoyed you at our marriage retreat and still talking about your book. So I want you to mess, definitely mention it. But I think out both of us are strong leaders. My wife background for those who don't know, she was she's a lawyer. She was a judge when I met her. And so she she was a strong leader. She's a high capacity leader. And, and, and some have said I am as, uh, as well. So when you have two strong leaders, uh, if you're going to make the relationship work, uh, you, 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 you have to have the relationship. You, you, it doesn't matter 
what happens in the church if we don't have a relationship. We determined early on that we were not going to let our differences divide us. We were going to walk, work through them because she had strengths and gifts that I only dreamt about. And I had, I believe, gifts and strengths that she says to me really covers some of her weaknesses. So we spent years on our relationship. And one of the things I said to our church early on is I'm not going to let anything, including the church, come between our relationship. So listen, we enjoy being in each other's company. We are very strong will, both of us, very opinionated. We 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 have learned and we learned these things early on how to work through and resolve our issues so that so that we can we can see each other as uh, as which we are best friends but also best friends who are doing life together and part of our life happens to be ministry. So it's not a strain on us at all. It's just a natural outgrowth of our of relationship that we've spent a lot of years working on. I love it. I love it. We're, we're, we're getting close to the end of our time. But again, we're here with Dr. Michael Henderson today on the Keep Battle podcast. Dr. Henderson, one of the major roles you play and the assignments you have is as the vice president of National Ministries for Converge Worldwide. And those in our listening audience that may not be familiar with Converge, please tell them about the organization and exactly what you do. Thank you. Uh, first of all, it, Converge Worldwide was formerly the Baptist General Conference. That was formerly the Swedish uh, General Conference, the formerly Swedish Baptist uh, General Conference. It's a Swedish organization, believe it or not, that came over to the United States about 110 years ago, primarily um, Sweden, and of course, Scandinavian. And over the years, has it evolved to reach uh, to become a multicultural movement. About 40, 40 years ago, a gentleman by some of your listeners may know this name, Tom Skinner, challenged this predominantly Anglo-Swedish organization to become a multi multicultural organization. That They took that challenge very seriously and 40, 45 years ago, immediately, intentionally began to look at uh, adding churches, planting churches that were multi-ethnic churches, African-American churches, Asian churches, Latino churches, uh, all, all, all the gamut. And so it's a movement of that is known for church planting. And our one of one of our taglines is we start and strengthen churches together worldwide. And so our biggest our biggest um push is, is starting and strengthening churches. So I am the vice president of national ministries, and that is simply the strengthening arm of our movement. My thing is working with churches to get in a healthy place. So even churches that have gotten in unhealthy patterns or systems, my, my role is to come alongside. Of course, I have a team and we try to get churches to a healthy place because if they can get anything healthy, will grow by itself. You don't have to make healthy things grow. When you think about a child, if you make sure that child is healthy, that child has everything in him or her to grow. And generally, if they're a healthy child, they will grow. That's that's our approach to health. 
uh, with churches. If we can find out what the unhealthy things are in the church and get those things addressed and dealt with and get them operating healthily, then what we've discovered is the churches will begin to grow automatically. And so I, I, this is my passion. Church health is my passion. Some call it church revitalization. Whatever you want to call it, it's helping churches that have gotten stuck, helping churches that have gotten in unhealthy places, helping churches that are that are recovering from a crisis, whatever that is, some scandal. We go in and we we offer them the support they need to get back on a healthy, uh, a healthy um, um, way of, of doing church. Awesome. Awesome. And on behalf of you know, all of us in church leadership who also love the church, thank you for that work and um, the importance. Pastor, we're going to close now with what I do. I do something called a round of rapid fire. And the way rapid fire works is I'll ask you a question and you just answer as succinctly and rapidly as you can. I'm calling this rapid fire the three, the three. So everything I'm going to ask you will have three answers to it. All right. You ready? Yes. All right. Rapid fire three. Three. There it is. All right. Here you go. The three most influential books you've ever read. The Bible. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, wow. Probably natural church development. Who's that? And Who's that by? Christian Schwartz okay, and Samuel Chan uh, cracking your church's cultural code. Got it. Next question. What three things can you remember dreaming, dreaming of as a child or dreaming of becoming? As a child? That's a, that's a good question. I always wanted to be a lawyer. It's amazing how I married one. <laughs> But I always wanted to be a lawyer. I saw myself standing in front of people defending people. Uh, so, so kind of a social justice lawyer. Mm-hmm. That was one. I also, I, I also wanted to be a communicator. I, as a child, I, I, I wasn't a great communicator, but I always wanted to be one. Uh, I saw communicators and I was mesmerized by them and I uh, wanted to be that. I also wanted to be a professional athlete, believe it or not. Didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have the skills, but I love sports, man. And uh, I played a little bit when I was uh, in junior high school. But uh, those are the three things I wanted to be. Well, I can say the two of them have come true. You certainly defend people. You defend the faith and you're a great communicator. Um, Thank you. You couldn't do that if you were hooping somewhere, so. <laughs> Amen. We all wanted to play sports as kids. Right. <laughs> Next question: three what three reasons why you think people come to church? Three things. Oh, that's man. That's man. That's a great question, Pastor. Man, that that's a great question. I feel like the f- number one pe- reason people come to church is identity. Mm-hmm. Identity is something that we don't spend a whole lot of time in on, but people are wanting to know, why am I here? Mm-hmm. The second reason is there's a crisis going on somewhere. I, I find that people in crisis time come to church for some answers, some solutions. And then the natural transitions of um, things that happen in life, like having a baby, getting married. People become spiritual during those times. So I would say those three things. Excellent. Excellent. Well, conversely, three three reasons why people leave a church. Why do they I think back door. I think people leave a church if they don't feel they matter. Mm. 
Uh, and that's why systems are so important. I think people leave the church because they've been there been conflict and hadn't been resolved. I think people leave a church where if they don't feel like we're going anywhere and making a difference. I think people want to be a part of something that makes a difference. Man, this is some great stuff you're getting. I don't know who's listening to this. I got some more questions, but y'all got to share this <laughs> link with somebody. This is just, you know, he's not free, y'all. So this is free stuff from Mike, Dr. Michael Henderson. It's really great. Thank you so much, sir. Here's the next question. Thank you. Rank your top three seasons of the year and why. So there are only four. So how would you rank them and why? The top three seasons. Ah, that's a good question. Fall, because that's when I met my sweetheart. <laughs> and we, yeah, so fall is her, her, her favorite season. It's a special season for me because that's when we met. Uh, summer is because in the summertime, uh, I like to go to anywhere where there's water. I like to go lay on the water or be near the water. I can do that to think and reflect. And I would say spring because it's a, it's a, it's things are starting new. It's a fresh beginning. It reminds me of starting all over our church's name, new beginning. So those are my three seasons and why. Nice. Nice. So going to that water, what are your three favorite places in the world? Your favorite. Now, now I, I, I want your listeners to know I'm still saved, <laughs> but we love we love to go to Las Vegas. My wife and I, it is our favorite spot in the world to hang out. It is very we don't gamble. So we just go eat and go take in shows and we do a little role playing, if you will. Uh, we can be whoever we want to be. And so that's our favorite place. I love the mountains and we have mountains here in North Carolina. We go up to Asheville to go up to the mountains and it is just gorgeous in the fall of the year. Um, both of us, both of us have been to uh, travel abroad. We liked going to London. We, I think a couple of times we've done that and we really, we really just enjoyed the culture of the city and, uh, and, and all of, all of the, uh, the um, things that it had to offer. Nice, nice, nice. Here's going to get you some more brownie points. Three words you use to describe your wife. Uh, excellent. Mm -hmm. um, intelligent. Mm -hmm. And the apple of my eye. That's more than Hey, look. <laughs> I know who's going to get this link. <laughs> Next question. We're almost done. Your your top three preachers of all time. Ooh, that's a good question. Uh so I'm going way back. Um Dr. Tony Evans. Mm-hmm. A, a guy by the name of Dr. Charles Booth, Edward Booth. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a good question. I listen to a lot of T.D. Jakes, of course. He's probably my number one. Yeah, he's he's on that. I would throw E.B. Hill in there, too, for me. Oh, man, yes, that's right. I forgot about Dr. Hill. I, every time I, he would come anywhere near me, I would go hear Dr. E.B. Hill. You know you beat time yeah. when you, you, don't say your, say your, you don't say your first name anymore. You just got two letters. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> 
right, here, oh, here's, here's a question. Check this out. So this, we're still dealing with rapid fire three. So there's a new basketball league called the Big Three. So you're a coach. You own your own Big Three team. You're the owner. What right. current NBA players would you pick? And oh my God, that's what three. Okay, you get you get six players. What three current players? Okay, would you pick, and what three players would you pick in their prime from any era on your team? Oh wow. Okay, so the current players would be LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I don't, I, Le, I, I'm from Akron. LeBron's from Akron, but I still think he's probably the second best player ever to play. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony Davis, who is playing with LeBron now in LA, mm-hmm. and probably uh, this is this, this third one is a hard one, but I would probably choose Steph Curry because of his ability to shoot from anywhere. And, and on the court, good. Okay, mm-hmm. so then the three who ha- are not playing today from any that era. I would choose any era, any era. I would choose Magic Johnson. Mm-hmm. I would choose um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and they they played together for a while. And Michael Jordan. Oh my man, great team. Yeah. That's a great team. Yeah, if you could, I don't see that team getting beat. It's going to be a problem for sure. They got outside shooting. They got defense. Yeah. Shut down. Right. Yeah. They got inside post game. They got it all. Right. If you could pick your ideal meal for dinner tonight, what three things would be on your plate? Three things I don't need. (laughs) Well, first of all, I love steak. And I I try not to eat it as much as I like it. I love steak. Mm -hmm. Um, that so that would be number one, probably um, macaroni and cheese, mm-hmm. and some kind of uh, flavored or sweet cornbread. <laughs> hey, Pastor, you didn't put one vegetable on the plate. That's why I say I don't need I know, it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you said ideal, right? That's what I had. Right. Uh, right. Listen. Here's, here's the last question. If somebody listening wanted to contract you to speak for their church or organization, what three topics are you most passionate about addressing? Church health, mm-hmm. marriage and family, mm-hmm. and leadership. Awesome. Dr. Henderson, it's been a tremendous blessing having you on the Keep Battle podcast today, man. This has been fun, and I like the rapid fire, the three. I like that. Yeah, yeah, I did. I created that for you. If I listen, Thank you. Now, I've never done it that way before. If I listen, I want to connect with you or follow you. you. Are you a social media guy? Do you do anything on social media? I am on social media. My my team is, is uh, trying to get me more active, but I am on social media. Okay, so how can our li- listeners connect with you, follow you? How would they reach out to you? Okay, uh, I'd have to get all of that because you know I'm not a big social. I, I'm I don't I'm in, not in the know how, but I am on. Okay, so one of the, they can they could still go to MB CC CC Ministries and, and they can get, they can they can get their information or or reach out to good your question. sister yeah. as well, right? And if you got that information earlier, again the number is seven zero four. What's the rest, Pastor? 405-1424. One more time, Pastor. You said it. You got me lost. 
1424. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Listen, y'all, that's Dr. Michael Henderson. He's one of the best that ever did it. And thank oh, each man. of you for joining us for another episode of the Keith Battle Podcast. Please visit our website at sagacitycompany.com to find out all the latest news and things that are going going on. And I look forward to being right back here with you all next week, right here on the Keith Battle Podcast.